What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the In Situ Health and Fitness Podcast. On this show, we give you everything you need to live a long, healthy, and happy life. Yes, welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode. First up, I just wanted to say a big thanks to everybody who have been giving this podcast five-star rating and positive comments wherever you can. A few of you have reached out and said it's been a little hard to find where or that you can't find where to give it a five-star rating uh, where you're listening to the podcast. I don't know why some platforms make it so hard to find, but I have to agree. Sometimes I, I couldn't find it on some of them at Dark's Mac. Can I just say, if you ever don't know something or can't find anything, just Google it, guys. <laughs> Google or YouTube usually helps. Ask Mac. Mac will Google it and Mac will send you Google's answer. Um, but if you can't, don't stress. Honestly, we do this show to help people with their health and fitness. I don't really care about becoming the best podcast out there, the number one health and fitness podcast, all that sort of stuff. If you, if you do want to help this podcast grow, just pass this podcast on to somebody that you think would benefit from it. That's all I ask. That, 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 is, that means more to me than a five-star rating because I know you benefit, benefit, benefited from the podcast and I know somebody else will. So, and that's why we do this podcast. That's the number one reason why we started and this, that's the number one reason why we continue doing it. So pass it on to somebody else just copy and paste the link and send it in a text message and say, shut up and listen to this. <laughs> that's all, I, that's, again, that means more to me than a five-star review. So, again, a big thank you to the people that have been doing that. All right, let's get into today's topics. Okay, what do you got? Me? Yeah, you go first. I've got the hope molecule. Molecule? Mm. So, this is a term I come across. I thought it was just somebody being, you know, optimistic or just having their say on something but it actually turns out doctors are starting to use this term the hope molecule and here's a little excerpt from this article every time we move our muscles we are giving ourselves an intravenous dose of hope this is a doc dr kelly oh i'm gonna get you to McGonagall. McGonagall? I think so. Where's that name from? Um, Harry Potter. Okay. Professor so, McGonagall. Come so on. this article is done on Dr. Kelly's work. And then Dr. Kelly has been studying this for a little while. And there is also references to a lot of studies that do big groups of people. Meta-analysis. Meta-analysis. Um, so. I thought this was good because a couple of months ago, if you remember, I'm putting you on the spot, but you brought up a topic about how activating muscles helps the brain function better. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember it? Because that would directly relate to this <laughs> article. Um, I can't remember the exact thing but that I brought up, but I can speak about it in general. Yeah. So if you remember, what was that sort of article or in general? Honestly, I can't remember, but... In general, when you activate your muscles and you trigger your muscle fibers, it sends a signal of dopamine to your brain. So you feel good, like the same as listening to your favorite song or eating a piece of chocolate or whatever it is that makes you feel happy. 
exercise actually does the same thing whether you notice it immediately or not and it also does compound so if you exercise regularly then you will generally just feel happier because you're sending the signal to your brain more often that things are great you know life's great I can't remember the actual name of the neurotransmitter that happens with the whole process because I've just been on uni break and I haven't practiced anything but that's the basic gist. Yeah so this article basically or Dr Kelly's work uh, follows on from that basically is following on from that so every time you contract your muscles it is releasing chemicals within your body and some of those chemicals actually get to your brain and cross the brain blood brain blood barrier blood brain barrier that's the one I was going for mm-hmm and give you gives you all these benefits and again some of those benefits uh, can improve your heart health immune function and some of them can even kill cancer cells Mm. so all this sort of stuff and and this is where hope comes into it as well so the hope molecule is what it's called because every time you do contract your muscles, and I'll get into what that means in a second, you're releasing all these chemicals that do such good things for your body. And this is just another reason to do resistance training or some type of activity. I just can't stress that enough. And I just come across this article and I'm like, this is perfect. It's called the hope molecule. <laughs> and if you're lacking a little bit of hope in your life, or you're not feeling the best, all you need to do is exercise. This is from Dr. Kelly again. If you go for a walk or a run or you lift weights, you contract your muscles and they secrete these proteins into your bloodstream and they travel across the blood-brain barrier into your brain and act as an antidepressant like, I can't pronounce this one, but it's basically the same as a, well, it is a, uh, antidepressant drug mm-hmm. so basically work what she's saying is working your muscles just uh, secretes these certain proteins that go into your brain and act exactly the same as a antidepressant drug yes what did what the heck i can't for the life of me think about what i found about this that you just mm. said bring up i'm gonna have to go back and listen to a few podcasts yeah so everybody listening i'd recommend reading this article if you want to dive a bit deeper they refer to uh, Dr. Kelly's work and some of the meta-analyses if you want to dive a little bit deeper but it just brings up this whole thing of exercising is good for your health yes because again it brings up this whole thing a lot of people exercise these days to look better but there's so much going on in your body that benefits your body for long-term health short-term health and very short-term health because literally if you're feeling down in the dumps and you're not feeling well and you know anxiety's up depression's up a little bit because everybody struggles with it it's 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 a part of life it's now. part of lot yeah so you can literally just go and do a few push-ups and it can help you break that cycle of being unhappy honestly since moving moving is very stressful as you all know moving states cities is even more stressful and jack and i have even been frequently reminded every time we go to the gym because we don't have a gym membership where we're staying at the minute we're just floaters we're floaters (laughs) Um, so we haven't been going to the gym as often as we like we've been walking a lot but I will say going to the gym and lifting weights 
has a far greater, I don't know if it's to do with the duration we're at the gym or the fact that we're lifting weights, but it has a far greater impact on my mood than going for a walk. Like going for a walk definitely still improves my mood, but actually lifting some weights makes me feel like there's no problems in my, not that I have big problems, but nothing matters anymore. You know what I mean? Everything's great. Yeah. And sorry, I forgot all about it. And I was going to bring that up about stimulating muscles and what that actually means. So in some of the studies, they go into it a bit, but like Max said, it's, it's going to be different for everybody. Like, because we are so used to walking, walking doesn't really stimulate our muscles anymore because it's something we do every single day. Yeah. And we do a fair bit of it. Not, you know, crazy amounts, but we walk every single day for at least 30 to 45 minutes. So our body's used to that. So yes, it doesn't give us much muscle stimulus. It still activates our muscles, gets us out in the sun in the morning, all that sort of stuff. But going to the gym and lifting weights does stimulate our muscles. So we get that more of a dopamine hit, not dopamine even, all these other chemicals, we get more of a hit doing that because we're trying a lot harder. So what does that mean for the listener? You guys listening along at home, you just need to do a little bit more than what you're doing now. Because like Mac just said, we're not in the gym that much. So we're going about twice a week and that's, you know, we don't have to try that hard because we're only going twice a week. We're just lifting a little bit of weights and that's enough to stimulate our muscles. For you, it might just literally be a set of two or three kilo dumbbells at home and just pushing them up and down like a shoulder press or something like that. Anything you need to do to just stimulate your muscles, it's going to be different for everybody. Where if you go to like a power lifter that has been powerlifting for 10 years, they're going to need to do a whole lot more than us and a whole lot more than they normally do to stimulate their muscle growth because their muscles are so used to it. So again, it's very different for everybody and it's very important to take that into account when you're reading these studies because a lot of them will go into like HIIT training. HIIT training is, again, a great way to stimulate muscle growth, get all the chemical hits we're talking about, but I strongly don't recommend it for newbies because the risk of injury is higher than the reward. Mm. So that powerlifter that's been training for 10 years and is actually an athlete, yeah, I'd say go do a hit session and they'd get all the dopamine hits and all the chemicals. But for somebody just starting out, don't do a hit training session because you'll hurt yourself and you won't be able to exercise as much. And you'll think that exercise is bad. So if you are a beginner, a walk, a couple of push-ups, a couple of bodyweight exercises, anything just to stimulate your muscles is going to break you out of that cycle, put you in a better mood and increase all your health markers. Mm. So there's not, little side tangent, there's no, there isn't a drug out there on the market that is as effective as resistance training I, for your overall health. I was going to say that exercise in general is the best antidepressant drug, is better than any antidepressant drug that you can find for long-term mm. health. Because if you like are anxious or do suffer from depression, drugs might may need to be an option at some point, but they're not a long-term solution. Whereas there's so much research like this coming out now about how exercise can have the same, if not greater benefits than a drug, and you can do it forever. Whereas mm. you can't, or I would not recommend taking a drug forever. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do always, always tweet and post on my stories because I rely on this sometimes for motivation and it is when you don't feel like exercising for your body remember you can exercise for your brain mm. 
because like you said at the very beginning a lot of people relate exercise directly to how they look and sometimes if you aren't feeling great about your body image like you might be feeling anxious or down about your body image it's it's very hard to go and get into the gym and want to do something positive for your body so just think about how it's going to benefit your brain yep right and a little bit is better than nothing yeah like i said 10 just go and do 10 push-ups it you might be like why the fuck would i bother doing 10 push-ups but it, there will be a lot of benefit in trying to do 10 per- perfect reps because you're going to burn your shoulders out. If you do slow, controlled reps, I don't care who you are, after 10, your shoulders are going to burn. Yeah. You might be on your knees to start with. You might be pushing up against a wall, whatever. Stimulate your muscles, 10 reps. That is more than enough. You don't have to go... like People go, oh, well, if I can't go do a full workout, I'm not going to bother. Mm. 10 push-ups. It's like... it. Think about it like it's compounding, like... If you're trying to save for a holiday, every piece of spare change you have, you put in a jar, right? Mm. 50 cents, put it in the jar. Like that 50 cents could represent doing five push-ups or going to for a gym session could be the equivalent of putting $10 in the jar. You know mm. what I mean? It all adds up at the end of the day. So if yeah. you can think about it, like every little piece that you're going to do is going to bring you some sort of benefit, whether it's brain health, body health, muscle health, joint health, anything, it all adds up. And let's leave it there because we could just keep going on about how you, sh- if you're not already, you should be doing some type of exercise. Um, just again, like I said, a little bit more than what you're doing now. Yeah. Real quick, everybody, if you are a long time listener and you still haven't started your health and fitness journey, or you just feel like you need a little bit of help, the Mac and I want to work with you. We will show you how to implement simple, easy, but effective ways you can improve your health and fitness and start seeing results straight away. This is personalized coaching and you will be working with Mac and I one-on-one till you reach your goals. If that sounds like you and you want to get started, then make sure you hit the link below because we're excited to work with you. Let's get back to the episode. Right, what do you got? Oh, I've got a good one this week. So sometimes I don't have topics and I have to go searching for topics to talk about on the podcast because I was unorganized, which is rare. However, that occurred this week. So I went searching on Substack, which is like a, what would you call Substack? Like a place where people collect their mailing lists and you can read previous ones. Anyway, I came across an old email from Neuroathletics, which I highly recommend that newsletter if anyone is interested in neuroscience. But it spoke about a, what do you call it? Something, a new law that they passed in the US in September 2022, so the end of last year, Mm -hmm. about food guidelines. And so the US has changed their food guidelines. I don't even know what it was previously, to be honest, but now it's called the food compass. So it's a compass system. And it's designed to direct you, because that's what compasses do, in the right direction for what foods you should be eating, right? But the more I looked into it and the more I Googled it and YouTubed it and everything, there is a lot of controversy around it, like any food guidelines in any country. Um, And so I've just got a few examples of how it's bad. Now, before you leave, because I'm talking about American guidelines, just hang on. I've done a bunch of research on Australian guidelines as well to make this relatable. But I thought the, this American one was still relevant because, to be honest, Australia is a following country in general. So if this is what America is doing, then 
at some point we'll probably end up doing something similar, right? Mm -hmm. So what this is, is it rates foods on a scale of 1 to 100. 100, so anything above 75 you should consider consuming all the time. And then anything within a bracket of between 74 and I think 45 is sometimes foods. And then anything that scores lower than 44 is a, a rare occasion food. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. So I've got a graph here and it's got foods rated from 100 to 0. And then they're color coded like green, yellow, red as they do. Okay. So on the top of the graph, this is the example that they have on their website, is watermelon rated 100. So you should eat that as much as you can, essentially. Um, and then kale. And then I actually cut off the numbers. Damn it. And then frosted mini wheats, which is an American food, but it's a cereal, right? In the green. In the third down from the top. So it's 90, what? it's rated 97 out of 100. So that means you should consume it all of the time. Oh, well, I'm happy to do that. Sounds great. Um, and then below that, there's like unsweetened almond milk, non-fat frozen yogurt, chocolate covered almonds. These so we all, haven't... They're these, all in the green. These are all above 75 oh, points out of 100. Okay. Honey nut Cheerios, 76 points. Just wait though, it gets worse. Egg substitute fried in vegetable oil is rated 61 points while a boiled egg is rated 49. So, so this is telling you that you should have an egg substitute fried in vegetable oil before you have a whole boiled egg. What, the f what, what is even an egg substitute? I'm not entirely sure. And then on the very bottom, so rated 28 and 26 out of 100 in red to be minimized, cheese, ground beef. So you should eat more frosted mini wheats, more honey nut Cheerios, more almonds. lucky charms, more chocolate covered almonds, more almond M&Ms than you should, you should eat ground beef, and eggs ground and cheese. What is happening? There might, like we don't actually watch a lot of news and all that sort of stuff, but uh, where we're staying at the moment, the news is regularly on. And there must be a discussion in Australia about it as well, because I've seen this, uh, one of the morning shows were interviewing a um, nutritionist mm. and they, they're, they're trying to change it here again. I, f I feel like it comes around all the time. The government's, some lobbyists, some people somewhere are trying to change it all the time. I think every five years you meant to review it. And I felt sorry for this nutritionist because... <laughs> The lady just, the, the, the host interviewing her just had no idea about nutrition and was just like, well, what's wrong with the five? Because we have a five-star rating here. Yeah, um, I've got so many notes on that. And, and the, the lady's like, what's wrong with it? And the, and, la and the nutritionist's like, oh, well, look, there's nothing wrong with it, but what makes up the five stars and, and exactly what you were just saying, like there's some foods that have a five-star rating but shouldn't because they're so processed, but because they're healthy processed and I use quotations there they're up you can have them as much as you want and yeah. yeah this nutritionist was just trying to explain this but it's just so hard to explain to somebody that just hasn't got any idea about nutrition yeah um yeah definitely I've got a bit to talk about the fire the health star rating because even just being here running into people that I know 
common questions just come up about packaged food because it's just there's just a massive big question mark on it in relation to is it good for you but anyway before we move on to the Australian system um, there was I watched a doctor a YouTube video of a doctor um, talking about the new this new release like he said that the doctor I've got his name here Mos Mosafudge, I don't know. Anyway, he's a he's a professor out of Turf's School of Nutrition in the US. And the doctor that I watched on YouTube said he regarded him quite highly until now. And he's like, what the heck is going on? So this whole system, like they do explain the whole system on their website. It's confusing as heck. I don't know how the general public is supposed to know what is going on. But they, the doctor that I watched on YouTube just brought up a really interesting topic about how the government is always in charge of this kind of stuff and at the end of the day it always comes down to favoring packaged foods because that's where they make their money right mm. um and he, the the point that he brought up was all of the foods that they favor like the watermelon and the cereals and stuff are not satiating at all they're not filling like you want to go back for more food a yeah, bowl of cereal is not satisfying. Satisfying for 10 minutes and then you're hungry again. And so, like, what is the underlying motivation to this whole system? Eat more food. Eat more food. That's mm. the whole underlying system. And they just so completely undervalue protein mm. in this. Completely undervalue protein. And probably give too much value to fruit. Like, I'm all about eating fruit, yes. But... You could live a perfectly healthy life if you never ate a piece of fruit again in your life, but you ate protein, vegetables, fats, and carbs, right? Yep. Easily. So, yeah, I don't know. It just really grinds my gears. Um, I'm just going to put my conspiracy cap on. Go on. But if you look into the wheat industry, it's huge. Mm. And this is what a lot of people don't realize, how big the wheat industry is. Wheat, corn, those sort of grain grains that are in everything, flour, like it's huge. And if that collapsed, we would literally have like the world, the Western world, I should say, would collapse as well because it is so huge and so many other industries rely on it. So if they pushed people away from it, that's going to decline, which would have ripples through uh, like huge ripples through the stock market, everything. So I can see why they're doing it, but I just hate it because everybody listens to them. Yeah. And it's not the way you should eat. Well, the whole, like the whole, there's that whole saying, you should listen to the experts. How, how can, well, who do you even, who are you supposed to trust? Who is like considered an expert? Bacon and eggs. We've talked about this on the show before. Yeah. Bacon, bacon was not a breakfast staple, but... There was a pig farmer in America back in the 20s or 30s, I think it was, who needed to sell more bacon. So he just created this whole campaign about having bacon at breakfast. Bacon and eggs is healthy, like having the big breakfast, all that sort of stuff. And he did it to make more money. Mm. And it was all marketing. There's, like That's where it come from. So it's just like when people are giving you all these, this information, all these things, flashing all these things, in front of your face saying eat this way this is what we recommend just 
stop and have a think about why they're telling you that. Yeah. And I say that about our podcast all the time. You shouldn't just go, oh, Jack and Max said this, I'm doing this. We want you, we bring up all these topics so you can think for yourself and actually think about these topics for yourself and try and implement what is best for you. Yeah, get all of the facts and then make your own decision. Yeah. You shouldn't let anybody tell you what, like how to make your own mind up, right? Mm. Okay, so moving on to the Australian Health Star rating. Here we go. Here we go. So... Personally, I don't, I've never really got it. Like I get it, but I still don't really get it, if you know what I mean. I don't have all of the answers to about the health star rating. I mostly have questions, <laughs> but I'm just going to try and clarify as best as I can. So for starters, I think the biggest confusion with the health star rating is that it's not a rating among all packaged foods. It's a rating among foods in certain categories, right? So you might get, pick up a plain yogurt and it's 1.5 stars and you're like, oh, well, that's not that healthy. But then you can go and pick up, just get this product that I found, Zupa Dupa Bubblegum Milk, four stars. That sounds... Okay, so isn't that extremely confusing? If you're just a general Australian so citizen... Five stars better or one star five better? Five stars is the best. What? So you should consume stuff that's five stars as much as you like. That's the gist of it. But like if I was just, if I had no idea about the five star rating and I went and got, what did I say first? Plain yogurt, which is rated 1.5 stars. And then I went and I got this Zupa Dupa milk and it's rated four stars. I would be like, oh, okay. So I should consume more Zupa Dupa bubblegum milk. <laughs> then I consume plain yogurt, okay? And that's because they're not in the same category. So milk is uh, in a category uh -huh. of its own. So I still don't really know, like, Zupa Dupa bubblegum milk is being compared to plain milk. So how the heck is it four stars? I don't know. But then yogurt, so plain yogurt is being compared to, like, ricotta and Greek yogurt and flavoured yogurt. Yeah. So yogurts like dairy products like that are in a group then liquid dairy products are in a group then soft drinks are in a group then chips are in a group muesli bars are in like the same group as say roll-ups so a muesli bar that isn't actually that healthy and is probably very high in sugar might look healthy with the star rating and be rated four but that's because you're comparing the muesli bar to a roll-up which would be rated say a one mm. and Does and yeah. this is where knowledge about calorie, and I know everybody gets antsy about counting calories, but this is where it comes important because full fat milk, like if you get the full fat milk, it would be more calories than that bubblegum milk. Mm -hmm. So that's probably why full cream milk isn't as high. Yeah. Because it's more calories per 100 mils or whatever they're measuring. So what they take into account is kilojoules, yeah. saturated fats, sugars and protein. They do not take into account preservatives, colors, or flavors. Exactly. And that's what I mean. So that bubblegum milk is going to be lower in fat, lower in calories, lower in saturated fats as well. And they're not necessarily bad. Like you get full cream milk is bet the best milk you can have because it is unprocessed, has no shit in it, all that sort of stuff. So this is... Yeah. This is why it's so very, very confusing to the public. And the other thing I found upon digging was that it is voluntary. 
So you, if you oh, have did, a product, yeah, they said that on the TV show the other day. Did they? Yeah. You you can choose which. So let's take Carmen's muesli bars for example, mm-hmm. which I've got an example of how to read a food label from a Carmen's. I think. Um, you can choose any product you put on the market. You can choose if you have the health star rating on your product or not. Mm. So when I was looking around the Woolies website, I noticed that a few Carmen's muesli bars have the health star rating. And they're generally four out of five. But there is a lot of Carmen's Muesli Bars that don't have the rating. Mm. And that's because they're going to get a bad score. So then why would they put that on the package? Yeah, well, and that's another thing this lady said. Like, the ones that don't have it look healthier on the packages than the ones that do have it. Yeah. So there's no star rating, but it looks healthier and on the package and all that sort of stuff. So people are buying it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just a mess. Mm. So what I would suggest, and just don't even look at the health star rating. Look at it if you want to laugh. Don't look at it for actual advice <laughs> at all. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Just try and get foods. I know that this is not suitable for everybody and everyone's lifestyle, but try and get foods that don't even require a health star rating. Like I know they put a health star rating on milk, but milk should just be milk. Mm. Rice should be rice. A can of crushed tomatoes should just be a can of crushed tomatoes. Try and get foods that don't, can't really be rated like that. You know what I mean? An apple is an apple. An apple is an apple. Okay, so let's just quickly debunk how the heck to read a, a food label then if we're not going to rely on the health star rating. So I've got, I thought I had a Carmen's muesli bar, but I got an Uncle Toby's rolled oats muesli bar because it was rated the same health stars as a Carmen's muesli bar. So Carmen's muesli bars are decent for muesli bars in general. As far as muesli bars go, they're all pretty bad. But Carmen's have the least ingredients, the least preservatives, colours and flavours. But they have the same health star rating as an Uncle Toby's muesli bar, which has all of the numbers, colours, flavours, preservatives, whatever, right? But they're rated the same. So, you know? Oh, it annoys me. Anyway, so the first thing you want to look at when you read a label is, I would say, the first three ingredients listed. Ideally, Jack and I don't buy things that really have more than three ingredients in mm. them. Can you think of something? I'm usually by occasionally when we're when we're starving to death. I get like maybe yogurt because it's got like even yogurt. Milk. It's usually milk and live cultures if you just get a plain yogurt. Yeah, sometimes it'll have... An extra thing. Yeah. But three. So the, the first three ingredients is what is mostly in the product. So if rolled oats are listed first in a muesli bar, then the product is made mostly of rolled oats. And the ingredients should be listed in order of how much of that thing is present in the food, right? Mm. So... Just for an example, this Uncle Toby's rolled oats. This is a weird label. I shouldn't have picked this one, but it's also a good example of how uh, misleading they can be. But Uncle Toby's rolled oats is the first ingredient, then wheat, then breakfast cereal, then wholemeal wheat. Wait, it just says breakfast cereal. It just says breakfast cereal. But wait, it keeps going. There's so much wheat. So we've got rolled oats, wheat, breakfast cereal, wholemeal wheat, flour, wheat bran. It's the first six ingredients. They're all different kinds of wheat. And then it goes into sugar and 492 and sunflower and all this other stuff, right? But yeah, first three ingredients is what it's mostly made of. I don't Mm. even know what half of the different 
types of wheat are. So once you have decided that you are happy with the ingredients, three or less or no preservatives is just what we go off. You don't have to do that, but that's how we like to do it. Then you would read the actual nutrition label, right? Which is also confusing as heck. <laughs> because we always talk about calories and most packages are in kilojoules. It's a whole, it's a whole, I don't know why don't we get this taught this in school, but anyway, that's what I'm here for. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you're comparing, say, two packets of muesli bars, compare them by one quantity per 100 grams, not serving size, because serving sizes are always different. And you want to look at the calorie content, which is usually the kilojoule content, and the less calories, if your goal is weight loss, obviously the better, right? Um, and then you want to look at the protein, probably, to see how much protein is in the product. And then... Because protein is going to fill you up. Just pause on that for a sec. Yep. So if you're choosing your muesli bar and it's only got two grams of protein compared to a one that isn't as good as you think, but it's got 10 grams of protein, it's going to fill you up. Yep. So you're not going to want to eat six muesli bars. Yep. You'll be hopefully satisfied after one. So we're looking at the kilojoules or calories first, and then the protein, and then... I would go to the sugar. Mm. So like per serving size, this muesli bar that I'm reading, the Uncle Toby's one, has five grams of sugar per serving. But if you're comparing two muesli bars, you want to look at per 100 grams, which is 17 grams of sugar. And then you compare, can compare that 100 grams to a Carmen's, which is generally a little less sugar. So they're the three things on the label that I would recommend looking for. Dietary fiber is another good one because um, it's just good for your gut health and digestion. And then saturated fats, probably. Lower, just aim for lower saturated fats in general. But if you are having foods that have three ingredients and lower in sugar, lower in saturated fats, higher in protein, calories depends on what your goals are. They're the things that you should keep in mind. Now, if that all seems like way too much, it's too hard, I'm going to forget all of this, how the heck am I going to do this in the supermarket? There's a really great app called Food Switch and you can scan the product and it will give you um, red, orange, green lights around all of the nutrition sections on the label and it will suggest other products that are better, which is great, mm. like so good. I wish that the packages could just do this, but lucky we have smartphones now, right? I still can't figure out how breakfast cereal can be a ingredient. Yeah, I don't. Really, I'm not really sure. But that's. But they. This is again. This is just a trick that people use, Uncle Toby's, um, to hide other ingredients. So there could be more sugar within that ingredient that they don't have to list. Yeah. List, or there might be more preservatives and additives that they don't then don't have to list because they've said breakfast cereal. And it's just under that umbrella. They don't have to list it in the ingredients. So that's just a dirty trick that I hate people do, but they do it and, and they're allowed to. Yeah. Australian and American food label laws are very, very flexible mm. also. I know that in Europe in general, it is a lot more strict. And I think that the food labeling system is a lot more clear for the public and also there's a lot of products that are banned in Europe and a lot of flavors and colors and preservatives that are banned in Europe that are in 
a lot of Australian products, mm. a lot. And that just scares the crap out of me. Like, what does Europe know that Australia doesn't give a crap about? <laughs> Every day, they know it here, but it's just like, well, we can make money, so people will eat it, so who cares? All right. We better do the listener questions. All right, what do you got? Okay. I have, what are the best foods to support mental health? I'd say whole foods, no yeah. processed foods. Yeah, I would say literally just minimize processed foods as much as you possibly can. Mm. That includes processed meats, anything that doesn't just grow in the ground. Yep. But I th I'm pretty sure in my brain health um, podcast, didn't I go over all of the foods mm -hmm. that are really good for your brain? If you have a healthy brain, then you're going to have generally good mental health unless you have a lot of external factors that are not in your control that are negatively affecting your mental health. Yeah, I was going to say exactly that because there's it's it's proven now. It's not just people talking about it or a conspiracy theory or anything like that. If you eat shit food, it stuffs up your microbiome and your microbiome is directly linked to your brain. So the healthier your gut, the healthier your gut is, the better your brain's going to be. And the healthier your brain is, the healthier it functions, and the happier you are. Like that's that's not me talking shit. That is how it is. Yeah. So cut out processed foods, all that sort of stuff. And yet, sometimes external factors do weigh in, um, but that's a whole other topic. Yeah. I'll just, if anyone hasn't listened to that podcast, I did do a podcast on brain health, and it goes over more than just nutrition. But I'll just quickly give like my top five foods for a healthy brain, which ultimately mm -hmm. should lead to good mental health. But fatty fish, obviously we talk about omega-3s all of the time for brain health. Blueberries, broccoli, or just any dark leafy greens, super mm -hmm. high in vitamins and minerals, really good for your brain health. Eggs, because they contain chlorine, which I went into in detail in the podcast. And also probably nuts and seeds because they just have a different they just have different vitamins and minerals to probably all the other vegetables and stuff you're eating. But the client that asked this question also said if I don't have time to wind down or to disconnect, how can my nutrition best support my mental health? And I would say there's only so much your nutrition can do. Mm. You just you just have to make time to if you're doing all of the right things if you're exercising if you're eating a balanced diet if you're minimizing processed foods you just have to make time to do whatever it is that helps you feel less anxious whether that is writing stuff down whether that's meditating going for a walk sitting in the sun whatever it is find it work on it to get it like be able to do it in the short amount of time as possible but you need to do it you can't just avoid it. It's still a part of being a healthy human, right? Yeah. Um, it just reminds me of a quote that I seen in a book the other day, and it is, busy is a decision. Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole reason why, and it goes into that, but I won't bore you with it. But basically, if you stop and think about the things that you spend time on, yes, there are things that, you know, there might be kids, family, work, all that sort of stuff that you do have to spend time on and does require time, but there's a lot of other things that you might be doing. It could be watching your favorite Netflix show, scrolling on social media. 
could get rid of some of that and food prep or whatever. Yeah. Awesome. Done? That'll do, yeah. Great. Again, thank you everybody for your questions. As always, if you want to hit us up with a question, keep an eye on our social media or you can just send us a message on Instagram. You'll find me at Jack L. Graham and Mac. Oh, Mac. <laughs> uh, Mac underscore in situ. And you can give us your questions there. Uh, thanks again and we'll talk to you all in the next episode. Bye.